Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Live from our nation's capital, it's Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a political analyst for WGN-TV and radio in Chicago and a columnist at Hill in Washington, D.C. You can read my column on the presidential race in the Hill every Monday. Just Google muckrack, that's all one word, M-U-C-K-R-A-C-K, dot com, front slash Brad, dash Bannon. If you like it, please share it with your friends. My most recent contribution to The Hill is my take on the two-mile post on the race for the Democratic presidential nomination, last week's financial reports, and next week's debate. My company, Bannon Communications Research, polls for and designs research-based media and message strategies for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn more about me and my political polling and communications company, go to Facebook.com front slash Bannon dash communications dash research. My Twitter handle is at Brad Bannon. My thanks to executive producer Mark Grimaldi, who keeps me in line and makes sure the trains run on time. No easy feat. Today in the first half hour, we'll discuss U.S. policy towards the Ukraine and Russia with our national security ex- expert, Colonel Cedric Layton, U.S. Air Force, retired. In the second half hour, we'll talk about the politics of impeachment with our provocative progressive political panel, which includes uh, political activist Will Jawando and our own Mark Grimaldi. If you want to be part of the show and talk directly to me and our our guest, call us at 888-6LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. These are the questions that we'll discuss today in the first half hour of the show. Inquiring minds want to know. First, 
What was the worst part of Trump's phone call with Ukrainian president? Trump's willingness to sacrifice the Ukraine to the tender mercies of his BFF, Vladimir Putin? His attempt to ask the Ukraine to interfere in the 2020 presidential election here in the United States? Or the attempt to cover up the call? Two, is it just me or does Donald Trump bend over backward to please his buddy Vladimir Putin every time the president makes a foreign policy decision? Third, and finally, does Donald Trump sacrifice the national security of the United States on the altar of his own political and personal self-interest? Our guest in this half hour, as promised, is Colonel Cedric Layton, U.S. Air Force, retired. He is the founder and president of Cedric Layton Associates, a strategic risk and leadership consultancy serving global companies and organizations. He founded his company in 2010 after serving in the U.S. Air Force for 26 years as an intelligence officer where he attained the rank of colonel. Colonel Layton can also be seen regularly on CNN, where he's a military analyst. Uh, Cedric's Twitter handle is at Cedric Layton, C-E-D-R-I-C-L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N, and his website is CedricLayton.com. Colonel Layton, thanks for joining us again. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, it's a great pleasure to be with you, Brad. Thanks so much. Uh, I uh, originally I wanted to get you on to talk about the national security implications of uh, uh, Ukraine Gate or whatever you want to call it. But before we get to that, I'd like to ask you about Syria. Today, the White House made a major announcement about American involvement in Syria. Uh, can you uh, tell us uh, what the administration announced and uh, the impact of the announcement? Sure, Brad. The basic idea was that uh, the United States uh, will withdraw its troops uh, from Syria and allow the Turks to come in and, in essence, take over the security for the area in northeastern Syria that borders directly on Turkey. Uh, that may sound good in, uh, you know, in, in the aggregate, but the problem that you have with that is, first of all, uh, the Turks want to go after uh, the Syrian Democratic Forces, uh, which is the umbrella organization of the Kurdish groups that supported us in the fight against ISIS. And what that really means is that the Turks want to destroy the Syrian Democratic Forces, uh, which they equate with a terrorist organization. And uh, what that can also result in is the fact that ISIS may very well be able to use this opportunity to regroup. You know, we talk about the caliphate being dead, uh, President Trump specifically has talked about that. But the fact of the matter is uh, what, uh, you know, ISIS represents is really an ideology, an idea, and a way of life for these people. And it's something that you can't conquer and can't eliminate just by conquering territory. And the minute that you uh, take off uh, any type of control that you have, that you eliminate that control, uh, it's much more likely that ISIS will resurge in some form or another. So this is a very dangerous development. Now, it seems to me it sends a dangerous message. Uh, when you, well, let's take the Kurds, for example. Uh, they fought very closely uh, with 
the United States to uh, to uh, uh, beat uh, the Islamic Republic uh, forces that were uh, sweeping across Syria. Uh, and now we are basically uh, telling them uh, that uh, thanks for your help, and we're going to uh, uh, we're going to uh, you know basically leave you over to the tender mercies of the Turks. Now the president has said that you know Americans want us to get out of Syria and Afghanistan, and he's probably right about that. Uh, Turkey is a NATO ally of the United States. So what kind of message is the United States sending uh, by withdrawing from uh, northern Syria? Well, for our Kurdish allies and for anybody who's contemplating being an ally of the United States in a similar situation, uh, it really is sending the message that there's there's a real problem with trusting the United States. In other words, what we're dealing with here is a country, a great power, uh, that is supposed to be able to keep its word. Uh, but uh, we've, uh, you know, we've gone in, we've uh, asked them to fight on our side. They fought on our side. They died on our side. They died with us. And that uh, type of arrangement that we had with them uh, was supposed to last for a very long time. Uh, well, he's pulling the plug out from that basically all because he had a phone call with the president of Turkey, Erdogan, and as a result of that phone call, has basically decided to acquiesce to Erdogan's demands, uh, which were that the United States uh, vacate the, that area so that the Turks have free reign in it. And uh, that is going to really create problems for us, not only in Syria, but in the greater Middle East and potentially worldwide. Okay, uh, we're going to go to break now. Uh, when we get back uh, from break, we'll have our guest, Colonel uh, Cedric Layton, U.S. Air Force retired, and we're going to uh, talk about the uh, U.S. relationship with uh, Ukraine uh, and Russia after we get back from these messages. Trump confessed on TV to the thing he's being investigated for, and on top of that, he managed to drag Vice President Mike Pence into it. Mr. President, President, what exactly did you hope Zelensky would do about the Bidens after your phone call? Exactly. Well, I would think that if they were honest about it, they'd start a major investigation into the Bidens. It's a very simple answer. Uh, They should investigate the Bidens. Likewise, China should start an investigation into the Bidens, because what happened in China is just about as bad as what happened with with Ukraine. So so he just confessed on TV after two weeks of lying and spinning. He just admitted to the crime he's accused of. He basically just blew the whistle on himself. So Trump has once again just outed himself as a criminal, but as we all know, when Trump implodes, he doesn't just implode on his own. He takes everyone else in the White House down with him. For example, you might remember last week when out of nowhere, Trump dragged Vice President Mike Pence into his mess by telling the press that Pence had also spoken with the president of Ukraine and that they should look at Pence's phone calls, too. And let me just say, with all sincerity, no one deserves to be dragged down by Donald Trump more than Mike Pence. After Trump dragged Pence into his mess, you'll never guess what happened. The Washington Post did some reporting, and it turns out Pence also had a phone call with the president of Ukraine. 
where he discussed cutting off the hundreds of millions of dollars in military aid that Trump had dangled as part of his quid pro quo. The Washington Post reports President Trump repeatedly involved Vice President Pence in his plan to exert pressure on the new president of Ukraine. Trump used the vice president to inform the Ukrainian leader that hundreds of millions of dollars in U.S. aid was still being withheld. Officials close to Pence insist he was unaware of Trump's efforts to press Zelensky for damaging information about Biden and his son. All right, I'm sorry, but that's just insane. Of course Pence knew about it. You think Trump kept this a secret? The guy can't keep his mouth shut about anything. He probably ran over to Pence's office immediately to tell him about it, just like a kid who figured out how to type boobs on a calculator. Mike! Mike, look! Well, just when it felt like this impeachment scandal couldn't get any crazier, Trump spoke to reporters this morning and got himself into even more trouble. He's already in trouble for asking Ukraine to investigate the Bidens, so you think he'd stop there. But as you know, Trump is going to Trump. So uh, <laughs> check out what happened. Likewise, China should start an investigation into the Bidens. Because what happened in China is just about as bad as what happened with, uh, with Ukraine. <laughs> Trump turned to his staffers like, are you losers happy I didn't say it over the phone this time? <laughs> staffers like, sir, you can't say that. Trump's like, what are they going to do, impeach me twice? Meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi is thinking, damn, one more outburst like that and we could have this impeachment wrapped up by Halloween. <laughs> it's crazy. In the middle of being investigated for asking foreign countries for election help, Trump publicly asked foreign countries for election help. <laughs> That's like chugging a beer while taking a breathalyzer test. It's, uh... <laughs> right after that, the chairwoman of the Federal Election Commission released a statement that said, let me make something 100% clear. It is illegal to receive anything of value from a foreign national in connection with the U.S. election. Trump saw that and was like, starting now. <laughs> it's true, Trump may be losing it today. He tweeted in all caps, election interference. <laughs> it wasn't a complaint, it was uh, just accidentally tweeted his to-do list. Uh, <laughs> it was like, my bad, that was supposed to be a DM to Ukraine, China, Australia, and Russia. <laughs> and everyone's talking about this. Yesterday, Trump tweeted a video about Joe Biden that featured a Nickelback song, but Nickelback had the video taken down. It's not a good sign for Trump when even Nickelback is like, we can't be associated with you. Those, of course, were the late-night comics uh, commenting on uh, President Trump's uh, solicitations uh, to uh, China and Ukraine and God knows where else uh, for help uh, in the 2020 uh, presidential election um, as one of the... Uh, Comics pointed out it is a violation of federal law uh, to solicit a foreign entity to take part in uh, a uh, presidential or any other election in the United States, but no one seems to care. Um, our guest in this half hour is Colonel Cedric Layton, U.S. Air Force retired. He is the founder and president of Cedric Layton Associates, a strategic risk and leadership consultancy serving global companies and organizations. His Twitter handle is uh, at Cedric Layton, C-E-D-R-I-C-L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N, and his website is CedricLayton.com. Now, uh, l l let me ask you this question, uh, Cedric. The president is being impeached. Uh, because uh, he solicited a, a foreign country to uh, interfere in a presidential election and also for trying to cover up the call. 
But to me, the worst part of this thing, I mean, both those things are bad, but the worst part of this thing to me is the fact that he was willing to dangle the future of a fledgling democracy in the Ukraine uh, uh, and basically say to them, hey, listen, uh, we're willing to send you military equipment and including javelin missiles, uh, but you have to play ball with me um, on this Joe Biden thing. Otherwise, we're going to let the Russians overrun the rest of your country after they've taken already about a third of it in the form of the Crimea. Uh, You know, it just seems to me that we should be supporting federal fledgling democracies, not Ukraine, uh, not dangling their future before them for the price of some short-term political gain. Oh, I, I would agree, absolutely. The uh, uh, you know the way in which this was handled. I mean, you have to look at Ukraine. You know, if you look at the map, it's basically the big buffer between Russia and expansionist Russia and uh, Europe. And uh, you don't want uh, a rehash of the Cold War or a rehash of the days in which uh, the old Soviet Union controlled uh, basically half of Europe. And that's something we don't want the Russians to repeat. We know that uh, Putin thinks that. Uh, the demise of the Soviet Union was the biggest catastrophe in human history. Uh, I certainly disagree with him on that. I think it was the greatest thing that ever happened, but uh, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened in my lifetime. But, but it is, um, you know, one of the things that you have to see here is the fact that strategically Ukraine is incredibly important not only from a natural resources standpoint, but also just from the sheer fact of their geographic position and the fact, as you very correctly point out, that it is a fledgling democracy. They're going to have growing pains. They're going to have issues uh, that come up. But to uh, talk about uh, you know the kinds of things that uh, President Trump did, uh, in essence, ask for that favor, uh, you know, quoting directly from his his uh, the transcript uh, of his call, it uh, you know it's pretty clear uh, that he wanted a transactional quid pro quo at a very inappropriate time from a country that uh, really uh, does not need to be held hostage by more than one superpower. But unfortunately, they're finding themselves in that position where they're they're being, you know, in essence, caught between the United States and Russia. And uh, Russia's a lot closer to them than we are. And it's very dangerous to play these kinds of games if we're trying to influence Ukraine to be continually on our side and to provide that uh, that buffer between us and the Russians. Yeah, and it seems to me he the president compounded uh, compounded this last week uh, when he asked China uh, to help in the Biden investigation. And, you know, to my mind, China is a serious strategic threat. And I wish we could talk more about this, Colonel Layton, but unfortunately, we're out of time. I want to thank my guest, Colonel Cedric Layton, U.S. Air Force retired. Uh, he is the president and founder of Cedric Layton Associates, a strategic risk and leadership consultancy serving global companies and organizations. We'll be back with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon after these messages. As impeachment gains momentum, President Trump said he may stop referring to the media as fake news and start calling them corrupt news. 
And the media says they may stop referring to him as President Trump and start calling him former President Trump. <laughs> Trump then brushed off any concerns about impeachment, saying, I'm used to it. It's like putting on a suit, meaning it's a massive daily struggle that takes up most of his morning. <laughs> Trump keeps saying there was no quid pro quo, which can only mean there was mad quid pro quo. <laughs> Whenever a guy with, like, a 30-word vocabulary starts quoting the law in Latin, it's because he breaks that law all the time. That's only something you can learn the hard way. Just like there's guys who can barely count, but can somehow tell you exactly how much cocaine you can get caught with before it's considered trafficking. That's three grams, by the way. Then Trump publicly asked China to investigate Joe Biden because apparently Trump thinks that's what presidents should do. And this is not about politics. This is about corruption. And if you look and you read our Constitution and many other things, we, I have an obligation to look at corruption. I have an actual obligation and a duty. First of all, you're screaming. <laughs> Just a thought, maybe don't hold all your press conferences next to an active helicopter. <laughs> also, you're going after Joe Biden for corruption? I mean, the guy lives in Delaware. He still takes a train to work every day. If he's stealing billions of dollars, he's waiting a long time to spend it. You know, Trump hasn't been handling this impeachment news well. I mean, he's been on a Twitter rampage. He's openly called for China to investigate Joe Biden. And it also came out that Trump suggested adding a moat filled with alligators and snakes to his proposed border wall. I don't know how to say this, but... Are we sure it's okay to make fun of this guy? <laughs> all, right. all right, you ever read Of Mice and Men? <laughs> Remember how Lenny was really strong? What if Trump is really strong? I got a cousin who's also strong, and, and he loves alligators, too. <laughs> But we don't make fun of him. Look, Trump tweeted 800 times in the past month. For context, Chrissy Teigen tweeted 218 times. Now, obviously, I feel like the president should be a lot busier than Chrissy Teigen. But if Trump is as strong as I think he is, then good job, big fella. <laughs> Twitter removed an anti-Joe Biden Nickelback meme that was posted by the president. See, he's strong. <laughs> Which is a sentence that if you had said it at any other time in history, would have meant that you were in the middle of a stroke. <laughs> I also want to point out that Nickelback is Canadian, so Trump was still technically using foreigners to go after Joe Biden. Okay, that was the uh, open to Saturday Night Live. Welcome back. When news breaks, we fix it here on Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. As usual in our second half hour, it's time for our provocative progressive political panel. Our guest on the panel today is Will Jawando. He is a council member at large for Montgomery County, Maryland. Described as a progressive leader we need by revered civil rights activist and Congressman John Lewis, Will has worked with uh, House Democratic uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and he served for eight years in the uh, Obama presidential administration. 
Will is a regular commentator for MSNBC and cable news. He is fast becoming a voice of authority on issues surrounding the nation's political climate, public policy, and social justice. He has been featured in an array of national media outlets, including NBC News, The Wall, New York Times, The, uh, the Washington Post, and, uh, and National Public Radio. Joining Will on the uh, panel is, is uh, as always, our executive producer and progressive political activist, Mark Grimaldi. Welcome to the panel, gentlemen. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Will, let's start with you. I want to ask a question that I asked Mark on the panel last week, and let me try it out on you. Uh, what do you think was the worst part of Trump's phone call with the Ukrainian president? Uh, Trump's willingness to sacrifice the Ukraine to the tender mercies of his BFF, Vladimir Putin, his attempt to ask the Ukraine to interfere in the 2020 election, or the attempt by the president to cover up the call? Will? Well, this is one of those uh, questions where can I have uh, answer D, all three? Uh, I mean, it, the this we're really living in... Uh, times that are unprecedented uh, in our getting us to the verge of a constitutional crisis. You know, the fact with Nixon, you had someone investigating Watergate. He was investigating his political enemies, and he was using the government and his staff to do so. Here we have someone multiple times asking foreign governments to do so. And uh, I just think that puts us, not only is it wrong for the same reasons it was wrong during Watergate, but it puts, it, puts us at such great risk uh, in the geopolitical context, uh, as you mentioned in your question, with whether it's our relations with Russia, China, Ukraine, all the many issues that we're dealing with uh, and involving career State Department officials, so much so that you have multiple whistleblowers coming forward. So, I, you know, I've, I'm going to dodge a little bit and say that all of it's uh, wrong, but it's kind of fruit of the proof. Of, uh, poisonous tree, the first part, the first part, calling, uh, speaking to the president of Ukraine and bringing up a political question and trying to have them to investigate it, uh, one of your opponents, that is the initial wrong. So if I had to choose, if I was pressed, I'd go with that one. But it's really, uh, it keeps getting worse day by day, and I, and I fear it's going to keep getting worse as we find out more information. Because we, remember, we still haven't seen the actual uh, transcript. We've seen the Cliff Notes version, the Bill Barr uh, Cliff Notes version, uh, like he did with the Mueller report, of what they said was said on the call. Okay, uh, let's try this one, Will. Uh, I've been, uh, uh, members of Congress have been uh, back in their districts holding town meetings uh, with their constituents. Uh, from what I, the news, the accounts I've read and seen of those town meetings, uh, uh, people, Americans, have uh, really been focused uh, on issues like the economic slowdown, health care, gun violence, climate change, and not particularly concerned about the uh, impeachment process, uh, which is seems to me that the only thing that anybody thinks about or talks about within the Washington Beltway. So my question to you is, uh, will Democrats lose sight of voter concerns during the long impeachment battle? Uh, do you think that there's going to be so much in, 
focus on an, the impeachment inquiry, Will, that Democrats right. are going to forget to talk about the issues that really concern Americans? Well, I can tell you we better not. Uh, I, you know, look, I'm, I'm a local elected official. I represent a million people here in Montgomery County, Maryland. And every day I'm concerned and my residents and uh, constituents are concerned about all the things you mentioned, health care costs, gun violence, climate change, education or equity. And we're going to have to walk and chew gum because the truth is uh, every day we're watching this administration while, we, while you have the distraction of all this this. Uh, impeachable activity and political activity with Ukraine, every day the president and the EPA are rolling back environmental protections. Every day they're rolling back civil rights protections for transgendered uh, students at the Department of Education. Every day they're attacking health care and making it more expensive and harder for people to get. So I, I think these things are connected, and uh, we need to say if we're going to do what we need to do as American people and provide opportunity for people, my constituents, everyone in America, we need to impeach a president who has committed high crimes and misdemeanors and fully investigated and get the facts. But those two things are connected. And I think you have to walk and chew gum and talk about all the many, many things that are hurting American people's bottom line and their their. Uh, at the dinner table, their pocketbooks, the lack of health care, but also say that this president is uh, assaulting our Constitution and uh, abusing his power in ways that we haven't seen heretofore. So I think we have to do both, but also draw that connection, because if we get rid of him, we can start making progress on those other things. Mark, uh, let me ask you about this. There's uh, the next Democratic presidential debate is October 15th next week, uh, and my concern is uh, the question, the uh, debate will probably start off with a long uh, discussion among the 12 candidates about impeachment. Uh, and my guess is uh, that discussion will probably squeeze out uh, some uh, a serious discussion of who knows, maybe gun violence, uh, Medicare for all, uh, climate change. Uh, if you're a Democratic presidential candidate, um, how do you still keep talking about those issues, um, especially in a debate when everything else is uh, might slide? Well, I think you have to be able to talk and chew gum at the same time. But I also agree with Will that if if not on the doorstep, that we are at a constitutional crisis. And I think the American people also, you know, I always have to take a step back and remember that a majority of the American people are not as knee-deep in the news as, as I and the people who we talk with on this show are. So they're still learning about some of the activities that Trump and his administration have engaged in. You know, they may see a clip here and there, but it's it's just at a blinding pace, all these stories about, you know, conflicts of interest and, like you said, you know, not only soliciting help from Ukraine in that phone call, then he openly does it, you know, right on the South Lawn and then asks China to do the same thing. And, you know, you, you, you've the next day, you know, last night we learned that Rudy Giuliani uh, associates were communicating with officials at the state run or um, gas company and natural gas company in Ukraine. All the while Trump was engaged in these, you know, this basically quid pro quo um, with Zelensky. And they told those at that organization two months in advance that Trump would be pulling, you know, our diplomat out, who is a career long 
you know, stateswoman, and uh, they were able to engage in activity that would have set them up ahead. So this was also a financial crime, you know, a grift, if you will. So those are just details that I think, you know, the more you find out, the, the harder it is to believe for the average American any of Trump or his administration's lies. So I think there's a place for this because it's important. But I also do think that it's going to be up to the candidates to turn the conversation to the issues at hand, like the slowing down of the economy, like health care, which was the number one issue that drove voters in the 2018 uh, midterms for uh, Democratic victory. And by the way, should be on the front burner because the Trump administration, after lying and Republicans lying in the 2018 midterm election that they wanted to protect people who had pre-existing conditions, Trump's Justice Department has, as you both know, sued to have the entire Affordable Care Act struck down, which would mean we would go to the bad old days of people being denied with pre-existing conditions. So I think it should be even more of an issue than it was in 2018. And if the candidates are not asked about it, they need to answer the moderator's question and then pivot to that issue or just simply pivot to that issue if it gets bad enough and the things aren't being covered. Okay, speaking of time constraints, uh, we're up against a break, so we're going to go to these messages, and when we get back, we'll back with our panel, uh, our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi, and Montgomery County, Maryland, Councilman-at-Large, Will Jawando. Okay, we're back with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. In this half hour, of course, we have our provocative progressive political panel. And on the panel today, we have progressive activist Will Juwando and our own executive producer, Mark Grimaldi. Well, let's uh, talk more about impeachment. Uh, Will, let me ask you this. Uh, if the House impeaches Trump, which seems to me like a reasonable possibility, uh, and the Senate acquits him, which also seems like a reasonable possibility, uh, will Donald Trump be able to claim that he has been vindicated by Congress? Well, look, that's something you can't base your decisions on what Donald Trump's going to claim. If we've learned anything in the times since he's been running uh, actually, his whole his whole career in public life, but especially since he's been president, he will say many things uh, that are don't always have basis and very off very free, infrequently have basis in fact or reality. And I actually think the opposite could be true in this case. Uh, and I think you had Julian Castro say this at one of the debates, which I totally agree with. If we if the Congress didn't move forward and the House didn't move forward with impeachment, uh, you would have the President Trump saying, "See, look." I couldn't have done anything wrong because they didn't move forward with impeachment. And so I think with this, you're seeing you're making a clear case. You're protecting our constitutional democracy and saying there are there we're going to do this investigation. There's impeachable offenses. We're going to move forward. The other thing to note, which I was going to say in the other segment, is that the public opinion on this is changing. And we've seen even in a couple of weeks since the impeachment inquiry has been announced by Speaker Pelosi, we've seen the numbers that are in favor of impeachment go up. Even if you ask Republicans, is it wrong to uh, ask a foreign government to interfere with uh, a political rival? Uh, and, to, and that number has gone up. And if you say, 
is it wrong for that same uh, uh, president to ask for quid pro quo and base need and aid off of it? It's even higher. So I think you're going to continue to see those numbers go up as the balls uh, continue to drop and more information comes out. What do you think about this, Mark? You know, I, I think Will is definitely right that, uh, you know, John, the late John McCain kept talking about how, you know, this was like a caterpillar and there was just more, many more shoes to drop. And it seems that way when you pull at one thread, you know, all of these other threads come loose. You know, there was a, I remember the actually in the evening uh, when the story first broke, I think it was on a Sunday evening maybe, that there was a whistleblower complaint that, um, and uh, Congressman Schiff said had not been properly submitted to Congress. And I thought, hmm, that's pretty, sounds pretty serious. But there are many other things that sound pretty serious every time we look at the news. And yet, you know, look at how it's spun off into so many different things. And, you know, we see now that there's there's plenty of justification for impeachment in these actions. And it's only going to get worse because the three of us and many Americans know that this is not an honest man, that he looks at this as a position to enrich himself, his family, and his friends, and he believes he is above the law. And that's how he does all of his business. It is not to represent the United States of America. It is to represent Donald Trump. And that is why when we look at his actions and you get a peek behind the curtain and people seem to want to become, you know, coming forward more often because they've seen a firsthand look at how bad things are, I think it's only going to, uh, you're only going to see more. There, don't forget, there's two other whistleblowers. A first-hand whistleblower came forward yesterday and submitted their claim to the same attorney that the original whistleblower is using. And there is a whistleblower uh, in the IRS that has filed a complaint that was deemed credible that people in the IRS have tried to improperly uh, change Donald Trump and potentially Mike Pence's tax returns the way that they're filed. So uh, there, there's more on the horizon that we already even know about that hasn't been fully reported. And like you said, who knows what you know surprises are, are next. So I think it's the, uh, the Democrats' job to keep in front of this, to get you know make sure the American people know what's going on, but as you both said, to also focus on the issues that are going to make a difference in people's lives. So I think they, they have to achieve both. Okay. Uh, let me, uh, ask you a question and we'll have to quick about this. Will, uh, is there enough discussion of national security issues in a democratic presidential race? seems to me there's really not much, uh, but that's what a president spends most of, will spend most of his or her time on anyway. What do you think, Will? Well, look, I think first I'd say that the, uh, Russian and Ukrainian and now, uh, potentially China Interference in our election, electoral progress is is a national security issue. Uh, the president has not taken that seriously. Uh, we have not. We are not secure. People are, in addition to him asking people to infiltrate our uh, elect, election system, which again is core to our democracy and who we are. Um, so that, I think that has been discussed, and that is a national security issue. Uh, but certainly, uh, again, that weakens us on all the other geopolitical issues. You know, we're pulling. Uh, we've basically thrown our hands up in Syria today, pulling uh, pulling those troops out. I'd like to see that get discussed more. Uh, what is our policy vis-a-vis uh, -vis Iran? Okay. Uh, Will, thank you very much for joining us today. I want to thank all our guests today, Cedric Layton, Will Juwando, and executive producer Mark Gamaldi. 
That's all for Deadline DC with Brad Bannon for today. I'm here every Monday at 3 if the Lord is willing and the creek don't rise. Unless Donald Trump declares martial law, that is.